you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Oh, isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. God bless you. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday evening. It's always an honor to come and bring the word of the Lord to you. And I, I want to preface some things that I'm going to say tonight. I, I always cringe any time that it falls my lot to, um, to talk about money from the pulpit. It's always a bit of a pressure. Um, and so I want, to, I want to say to all of our guests tonight that this specific Bible study that I am going to be teaching tonight has been announced and... Uh, so most that most of our church members that are here tonight are aware that they were coming tonight, and I had intention to talk about biblical stewardship, and uh, so give me a pass tonight, and if you're a guest, uh, give me another shot. I promise you I won't talk about money. Uh, that doesn't happen too often, although money was a subject that Jesus talked about so very often, and so as the people of the Lord we must recognize that how we handle money, how we view money, and how we respond to money is very, very important. Because if we call ourselves Christians, then we must respond to money in a Christ-like manner. Somebody say amen. Amen. So let's turn your attention tonight to the book of Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to read beginning with verse number 8 in Malachi chapter um, 3. Malachi 3, verses 8 down through verse 11. Now, I'm going to be, for those of you who are note takers, uh, I'm going to be making a lot of scriptural references tonight, and um, they're going to be trying to follow me as much as possible from the sound booth tonight um, and trying to, to put uh, as many of the scriptures as possible on the screen. And so I'll try to note those as we move through this Bible lesson tonight. Malachi chapter 3 and uh, verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Everybody say tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes. Everybody say all the tithes. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat 
in thine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. Everybody say, thank God. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm going to speak to you a while tonight on biblical stewardship, and I'm going to try to bring some biblical principles to you. I'm going to try to leave as many of my opinions um, aside as possible tonight and be as clear as I can, very scripturally based in the message that I want to bring to you. There are some things that I may say tonight that are based on the fact that I've been walking with the Lord all of my life, most of my life at least since I was a young child. And I have watched people and studied people and noticed things in people's lives. And this much I have learned. You can tell a lot about a person's heart when you start talking about giving. You can tell a lot about a person. And you will quickly discover how apostolic a church is when you see how they respond for a call to apostolic giving. This I have learned, and it is a scripture, it is scripturally based, but I have learned this, that if we put God first, everything else in life is going to just fall into shape. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first everything that I want to do in life, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, notice this is not a suggestion, but it is a commandment. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I, I believe if the church would truly fall out of love with the world and fall out of love with the world's system and fall in love with God and fall in love with souls. I'm talking about the very purpose of our living, of our existence. If everything about us shifted from being a world view or a worldly view to being a godly view, a, Christ, a true Christian view, a Jesus view, to where the things in the world are not as important as is the reaching and the saving of a lost soul. That everything in life, that nothing is as important as seeing my family saved. I want them to get good educations. I want them, I want them to prosper. I want them to have great jobs. But the most important thing is that my family saved. I, I, it, there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money in life and having a lot of nice things. But God needs to always be first. I've known a lot of people in life that... They could tithe and support the church and give to missions and always find a way when they didn't have much. But as soon as they were blessed with a lot, all of a sudden they started limiting God. 
They put limiters on God and said, now we're going to create a limitation because I'm giving so much. But Jesus looked at the lady that gave all that she had and he judged that against the men that gave of their abundance. And he said, she has given more than you all. So in our giving, there is a spiritual overtone that reveals what is going on in our heart. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. I want you to read this aloud with me, if you would. Many of you know this was a scripture that was on my office in Delphi Avenue. It was on the wall in my office. Every time any of you walked into my office, you saw this, this verse. Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart will always follow your treasure. Now, we have thought of this in reverse order. The things that we invest in will become the focus of my thoughts and my emotions. If you want to love something that you don't know much about, begin investing in it, and before long, when you invest in it, you will begin to love it. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. We have this, this concept that our treasure will follow, will follow our heart. In other words, if we fall in love with something, then we will begin to give toward it. If it's a ministry that I'm part of, then I will begin to give toward it. I will begin to believe in it. But the Bible said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the heart follows the treasure. So if you want your treasure in the things of God, first you've got to put your treasure, you've got to put your treasure where you want your heart to go. So if you start giving to the things of God, your heart is going to follow where you are placing your treasure. Show me a person who connects financially, and I will show you a person who has their heart in whatever they're connecting with. If, if their treasure is into the things of this world, their heart is going to be filled with worldliness and the things of this world. If their heart is focused on the, on, on the things of God, you can guarantee before their heart was ever involved in the church, first their treasure was involved in the church. So the Bible says that the tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. Now, I've, I know I've talked to a lot of people about giving throughout the years, counseled with people who are going through difficult times and trying to trying to discuss the Bible basis for giving, which is what I hope to present to you tonight. The Bible says the tithe of everything. Everybody say everything. The tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. Now I've heard people say, well, I tithe from my day job, but my sideline is for me. I tithe on my day job, but I put all everything else I put back somewhere and, uh, and that's for me to take vacations with or for me to do whatever we want to do. Now notice, when, when this text was written, we weren't living in the day and age in which we live today. And so everything was built around a, a farming mentality. 
It was first fruits. It was the first of the harvest. It was, it was the firstborn. When the sacrifice was to be offered, it wasn't what was second, third, fourth. It wasn't just a good-looking uh, a, a good calf that was born, but it had to be the firstborn. It was the, it's the principle of first that's taught all through Scripture. So the Scripture teaches this principle of first all, it is found all through the Scripture. So the first of everything. Leviticus chapter 27, let me read here. Leviticus 27, verse number 30. A tithe of what? A tithe of the land, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. Say this with me now. If it belongs to God, it doesn't belong to me. I want you to say that again and think about what you're saying now. If it belongs to the Lord, it doesn't belong to me. Now most people, most people don't struggle with this. We don't have this problem around here with people trying to take things out of the offering plate. We have Brother Kevin sitting back in the back. He is ready to take care of anybody that decides they want to take anything out of the offering plate. So he's watching. The ushers, they may tackle you if you try to start taking money out of the offering plate. Now, now I am going to tell you a little story. As a kid growing up, I remember this. Now, I haven't seen this in years, and I hope that I don't ever see this. But I remember as a kid seeing the offering plate pass, and some sweet little sister sitting over here says, wait a minute, I, can you break this? Can you break this down? And they start making change. In the offering. Anybody ever seen that? Don't raise your hand if you've ever done it now. None of us would steal out of, the, out of the offering plate. I would be afraid that God would charge me with that. I'm not going to steal. And so not many people have issues of stealing out of the offering plate. But Jesus says, you have robbed me. How did you rob me? In your tithe and offerings. So people, they won't dare steal money out of the offering plate, but a lot of people steal from God by leaving money that is supposed to be in the offering plate in their bank account because it's money that belongs to the Lord. And I'm going to prove that in Scripture here in just a little while. Everybody okay? Can I go further? All right. The scripture didn't just say, say you're stealing when you hold back tithe, but it also says you're stealing when you hold back offerings. This is a struggle for some. They feel that, well, I'm, I give my tithe and that's what I'm required, and anything else is, is mine. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to. But the scripture says that you're stealing from God when you hold back your offerings. Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. 
How have we robbed thee? What does he say? Does he say in tithes only? He says in tithes and offerings. So tithes and offerings are viewed differently biblically. I believe God looks at our tithes and our offerings in a different manner. Now, I'm not going to get into theological debate. We can do that one-on-one at another time. But I believe that God looks at how we manage our giving to the kingdom of God. Because he says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Now, I'm going to mess with some of your thinking right now. God created giving as a test of our faith. Let me be very clear with this now. God doesn't need our money to to save the lost. He doesn't need it. But for the kingdom of God to move forward, for the church to function, for us to have a place to assemble, we live in a world government in which we must operate and we must, we organize as the scripture gives us direction to, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. Now I've heard people say, well I don't want all that organized religion and they need money and they need all of these things. This is how God has chosen to spread the gospel around the world. And so the church is the local assembly in which God said not to forsake coming together. But in order for us to come together, we have to have a building. We have... Now, we could take the pews out. You can sit on the concrete if you want. We can find ways to do it a little cheaper if you want to do it a little cheaper. But everything we do costs money. How many of you know inflation is real? And it forever costs more. It seems like things are constantly going up. We rejoice when, you know, uh, we're going to be rejoicing here in a few years when, when gas prices go back down into $3 a gallon. We're going to start feeling good about that. Go get you some of that cheap $3 a gallon gas. We forget that only about, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, it was $1.75 right here in town. But in the end, it never really goes down. It's a constant progression of going up. And so it costs money to operate, to the function of the church, the function of ministries, to print cards, everything that happens here, everything has a cost attached to it. Equipment has a a cost attached to it. And so all of these things, all of these things cost money. So man uses the gifts, the offerings, and the tithe. Man uses for the furtherance of the gospel, for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Here's what the scripture says about that. That here we give to mortal men. This is what the Bible says. It's biblical. Here we give to mortal men. But there, everybody say in heaven, God receives your gift. So what you give here to mortal men to further the kingdom, to pay light bills and build buildings and move things forward, God is watching and looking and God receives it in heaven. That's why when we give, 
we give how? As unto the Lord. He tells us about giving to the poor. How does he say? When you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. In other words, we give to the poor, to the needy, to the homeless. We give, we give, we give. And when we give to them, the scripture says we gave it and the Lord received it. So it is the attitude and the spirit in which we are given it and the understanding of as we are given it, we're not just given it. Has, has money ever been abused in churches and in church systems? Absolutely. That's why there must be accountability. There must be accountability. But we also must understand that there also is accountability on God's part to those who are saved. And so the church has church government in place. Why do you have boards and why do you have, have, have leadership and why do, you have, why, do you, why do you deal with it this way? So that we will be good stewards of God's money. Because if he receives it in heaven, it does not belong to, to me. It does not belong to, to us. It is God's money. So every time, every time that you get paid, God is testing you. And the, the test is, do you, do you still trust me? Every week or monthly or however you choose to get paid, every time that you get your check deposited into your account, it is a test. God is testing you. Do you still trust me? And can I still trust you? It's a trust test. Your tithing is a trust test. God first gives, gives it to you. You have the health. He wakes you up. He gives you the job. He blesses you with a vehicle. He blesses you with everything that you need to be able to earn. And at the end of the week or the month, as you get paid and his money goes into your account, now God stands back and waits and says, okay, I gave you the ability. I put the money in your account. Because here's a problem if we start saying, oh, I... God didn't do any of that for me. I, I worked. I got myself up. I did all of this on my own. Then you're misunderstanding that God could take your very next breath from you. So our whole life belongs to God. And we understand that God is the giver of life. God gives us everything that we need. And so, therefore, God gives us the ability to earn. So it is a trust. He gave us all of that. We earn. Then God steps back and says, now, can I trust you to return the tenth? The tithe. Can I, can I trust you to return the tithe? So tithing is a trust test of our heart. Do I totally trust God and can God trust me? God is watching and can God trust me? I've seen people pray, oh God, give me this. God, give me that. Man, it, Pastor, if I win the lottery, this is what I'm going to do. Probably not. Not if you're not a tither. Because if God can't trust you with a few, he's not going to trust you winning the lottery. I'm going to leave that subject for another time. Tithing is not giving. I told you I'm going to mess with your thinking with some things tonight. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. 
So God's already blessed us with all this. It's a trust test. And so therefore, tithing is not giving. I'm not giving because it doesn't belong to me. Tithing is returning. Offerings are what we give to God above and beyond our tithing. That's offering. What we do above and beyond our tithing. This is why the Bible speaks of tithe and offering. Tithe, the very word tithe, gives us very, a very clear, very clear understanding. The very word tithe means a tenth part or 10% in our economy. So tithe is returning 10% of our income. It's not giving, it is returning. Tithing is the trust test of returning 10% of our income undesignated and unrestrained. My hands are off the tithing. I give it. God, you do with it whatever you need to do with it. My hands are off of my tithing. So I've heard a lot of people say, I'm going to pay my tithing. If we have the mentality of paying tithing, we start feeling like we owned that. And I know, I, I know you don't mean anything by that. It just becomes words we use, but words are important. Let's start around here at CLC. Let's, let's, let's try to change our vocabulary. Let's stop saying, well, I pay my tithes. Start saying, I return my tithes. Because what we are returning is what God gave to us on loan to say, now I'm trusting you. I'm giving it to you. You're going to give it back to me at the end of the week? So it's not my tithe, it's his tithe. Because the first fruits belong to the Lord. So the tithe, 10%, it belonged to him all alone. God just let it be added to my check to see if he can trust me at the end of the week to return it. When God says, yep, I see you're still being faithful in returning what I loaned you. Now I know I can loan you some more. So when we start praying for increase, we've got to understand, if, we're not, if we are not being faithful in tithing, then God, God's looking at us saying, you're not faithful over the small things. How can I bless you with something greater? Now, now watch. But your above and beyond blessings are not predicated on your tithing. But through tithing, your integrity is revealed. Offerings, on the other hand, is revealing the level of trust in God's faithfulness. God will see how much he can place in my care to see how I'm going to handle offerings. Offerings are the seed of our blessings. If you sow sparingly, then you're going to reap sparingly. Bless God, I give my 10%. That's tithe. We're talking about offerings. What are we doing above and beyond that 10%? What is God? How are we sowing? How do we sow sparingly or do we sow in great measure? Do we sow abundantly? The return that God gives us on our offerings may not always be monetarily. See, sometimes we think, well, I, I paid my tithe, and Pastor, I'm going to tell you, I gave, I gave $500 to that project uh, above and beyond my tithe, and I gave that, and I'm just believing God's going to bless me with more money. 
your return, all these, and, 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 and this is built a lot through televangelism and prophylying of all the things that God's going to do. I, I'm not, I'm not, I do believe that God blesses. I do believe that God returns. I, I know that God returns on the seed, but I can't tell you because you decide to give $500 or $1,000 or whatever it is you're doing and giving to and whatever project we're working on around here and you're giving above and beyond your tithing to see these things happen. I, I, I am going to tell you what the way God blesses you may not always be through monetary means or through financial assets. The blessings of God may be that He adds days to your life or He avoids you disasters from happening in your life or the blessings may come back to your family because Abraham too was faithful and he said, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you and to your children. As a matter of fact, he went further and said, I'm going to give it to your seed. So therefore, it's going to be a blessing that is going to go on for generations. Abraham is long gone before some of those blessings ever came to fruition. So don't ever think you can outgive God because your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren may be blessed and their days may be added. And they're all because that you were found faithful. We understood that God really does own it all. It may change our perspective on offerings. God set an amount on tithe. He said, 10%, return this or you're a thief. That's what God says. The tithe is intended by God to be a standard. It is the base. It is the minimum, not the apex. Some people feel like, whoo. I looked over my giving report and I looked over my financial report and what I gave was exactly, no, 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 not in tithing. We're returning tithing. Tithing is what we return. The tithe is the standard. It is the base. So we can't get proud about our tithing. We're just returning that to God. That was the minimum that God expected us to return. But in offerings, God is discovering how thankful we are, how much we trust Him, and what level we believe His Word that if we sow in great measure that we will also reap in great measure. Let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. These principles, these principles are found all through the Scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. I have never seen anybody give themselves broke. I, I will tell you tonight, my father, if he was able to be here tonight, I would feel like I needed to sit down for him to stand because I have watched him in times. I remembered my dad coming to me and, and, and coming to our family and saying, we're going through a difficulty, so everybody get ready. We're going to start giving more than we've ever given. Because my dad's principle was, I can give myself out of being broke. And he would give in measure that did not always make sense. But he too 
like many of us could say with David, I once was young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So we give because it belongs to him anyway. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth, read this out loud with me, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So everything belongs to the Lord anyway. How many of you believe this? All right, I must shift gears because they speed up that clock every Wednesday night. Money is cursed. Money's cursed. It has a, the spirit of greed all over it. The love of money, if we fall in love with that money because it's got the spirit of greed on it, it's all over it. I'm not talking about literally the, 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 the paper bill that you may have or, or, or looking at that looking at that account register and look at, but if we fall in love with that, mm, look at that, look what I have, look what I've done, look, if we fall in love with that, the, the issue is, is it already is cursed, meaning that if we're not careful, we will start partaking of that which is cursed. We'll start falling in love with things that the Lord said, don't fall in love with that. Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I didn't say that he did. And so we have to be careful to not look at money and, and start saying, ooh, look at this, and we fall in love with money. The love of money is what? The root of all evil. Money itself is not the root of evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, but money is cursed. And so therefore there is a temptation, a, and always a temptation with money. Always a temptation. The temptation with money is that we can become greedy. That means as soon as we become greedy, we have given in to the love of money. Then it is the spirits, what the Bible calls the spirit of mammon. So money is, is cursed. It has greed all over it. The spirit of mammon is the love of money, and that will lead to destruction. So it's how we view, how we view money, how we view things. Nothing wrong with you having nice cars, nice clothes, nice houses. Now, now be careful about judging others. You may look at some and say, well, that's just extravagant. That's just extra, extravagant. What is extravagant for us may not be extravagant for others. We may not live in the same economy. We may not, we may not live under the, the, our income level and their income level. We can't judge them because of what they can afford to do. You don't know what their giving is. Percentage-wise, they may be giving more than anybody else. And so be careful of judging people because, well, look what they have. Look at the house they live in. Look at the car they drive. That is none of our business because that in of itself can become the love of things. And jealousy is as cruel as the grave. So be careful that we don't start looking at what somebody else has, wishing that we had it in whatever state we find ourselves in. Be content there. But this cursed money. The tithe breaks the curse off of money and it redeems the rest. So your tithe 
his tithe that you returned. It's on your, your check. You return the tithe. It reverses the curse on the 90%. So if you have 100% in your account, until you break the curse by returning the tithe, all your money's cursed. But when you break the curse by returning the 10%, the 90% has the curse broken off of it. Now, now you are living with money that is no longer cursed. Now that money has the ability to be a blessing. That money has a, ha, will have a tendency to not cause you to fall into sin because of money or because of the love thereof. So offerings release the blessings of God over the redeemed money. So the 10% breaks the curse. When we give of that 90% that is now no longer cursed, when we take of that and we say, I'm giving above and beyond that, when we give above and beyond that, that will cause the windows of heaven to open and he will pour out a blessing upon us. All right? You want me to read again? Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for whose sake? For your sake. And he shall not destroy, what? He's not going to destroy your energies and your efforts toward your labor. Neither shall your vine cast off her fruit before the time. Your harvest is not going to be hindered. And in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, the word rebuke means to cause to wither. So God says, I will rebuke or I will cause to wither the devourer. So putting it in clear, understandable English, the Lord is saying, I will devour the devourer. I will cause the devourer to wither. So he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. He's not going to affect. So God says, I come on the scene. So when you return the tithe, I come on the scene and I will destroy the enemy that wants to take everything that you have. You cannot give God. You cannot give God. Say it with me. You cannot give God. The scriptures put it in gardening terms. What he is saying here is, I will cause the devourer to wither. Thus, the seed shall also wither in him. Here's what I'm trying to say. The devourer is not planting good seed. The Bible's very clear on that. The, the devourer seed, the devourer seed is never intended to benefit you. He's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So everything that the devourer is planning in your life is to kill you, to destroy you, and to devour you. That's, that's, he comes to kill, to, to steal, and to destroy. That is what he is planning. That's what he is planning. But when you come with your tithe, and when you tithe, all of a sudden God says, I am now going to rebuke the devourer. I am going to stop and cause the, the, the works of the, of the devourer to wither. So therefore, all the seed to kill, to steal, and to destroy that the devourer is planting in your life, in your home, in your finances, on your job, everywhere. God says, when you return the tithe, I'm going to go find all the seed that the enemy is planting against you, and I'm going to cause it all to wither and never grow. 
That's the principle that is taught in Scripture. So the enemy's working against us. He plants all sorts of things, but because of your faithfulness in giving, when the enemy sows, sows things meant to destroy you, God's going to turn it around and he uses it for your good. So therefore, when we see he's turning it around, he's working everything for my good. Even when we're not seeing it, he's still working. So he plans things to grow up. The enemy plants things intended to grow up to choke out your harvest, to destroy. He wants to destroy or spoil the fruit. But God says, I will cause him to wither. I will, I will rebuke him for your sake. You don't even have to do that. That is what happens through tithing. You don't even have to do it. I'm doing it for you. God says, I will cause the devourer to wither so that your harvest can flourish. So the 90% will work in your favor. Your seed shall flourish, but the devourer and his, his seed is going to wither. So we have to thank God that the thorns and, and all the things that would grow up and uh, then afflict us in our life and the things that you don't know. Here's the deal. For you tithers that are in the house, you don't even know all the things that, are, that the enemy is sowing in your path that God is saying, I'm taking care of that for you. Don't worry. And we go, well, I'm just wondering if God's doing anything for me. Listen, just keep on being faithful to God because he's taking care of things that you don't even see. He is devouring the devourer. He's rebuking the devourer. So if you're a giver, you've signed up for the best insurance policy that you can have. You should be able to speak to every devil and to every seed of the devil. And you know what you can say to him? The Lord rebuke you. Because he said, I will rebuke for your sake. The Lord rebuke you. Listen, there is only one other time in the Bible that speaks of the Lord rebuking. And that is very high-level warfare dealing with Michael the archangel. This is the very highest level of spiritual warfare where that, that, that the word is spoken, the Lord rebuke you. But in your giving, in your giving, after you have given your tithing, when you take that offering above and beyond and you say, and you start to give it, you know how to give it? You need to start giving it and say, the Lord rebuke you. Because it's the only place that he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And so you say, I'm giving it in the name of the Lord. Devil, I can rebuke you, but I don't need to because the Lord is doing it for me. And so he is higher than me. So not me rebuking the devil, the Lord rebuke you. When you give, the Lord says, I'm working for you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Therein lies the function of the body, the function of the church. Remember, it's all in gardening terms. They brought in all of the tithe. They brought the first fruit from the fields. They brought it into the storehouse. They brought it all in so that there would be food in his house. And so therefore, our giving, as we are giving, we are paying for the mission of the church, for the vision of the church. That's how we are moving things forward through our giving. We must put God first in our giving. Now, I've had folks that actually have come here to this church before and say, Pastor, um, I just want to try out your church for a little while. 
And what they're saying is, is that I want to come and see if I can receive and enjoy without a commitment. That kind of sounds like the world we live in. I don't really want to marry her. I just want to see if I can receive and enjoy. But I don't want the commitment. They want to come and eat before they sacrifice. See, they weren't here when the fields were being worked and when the, when the seed was being put, put in the ground and, and, and when, when all the tilling and work and, and labor and the harvest, they just want to come in and reap. You've done all the praying. You've done all this. Let me come and sit around and see how this church fits me. I, when people come with that spirit and attitude, I don't expect them to stay very long because they're going to be disappointed because if they haven't invested into it, if they haven't put their blood, sweat, and tears into it, if they're not giving toward it, their heart's not in it from the beginning. But if they come in and say, look, I'm not sure, but I'm just going to start giving to this thing and see. When they start giving, their heart is going to follow their giving, and then they're going to fall in love with it, and then instead of being critical and sitting around going, hmm, I wonder if I really like that or if I really like this and this is what I think about that and maybe they should have put those vents over there and they should have done it this way but when it's you giving and it's you working and it's you laboring all of a sudden your heart's in it and how dare somebody speak against my church how dare somebody speak against my ministry how dare somebody because I have invested into it so the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first. It's the principle of first fruits. Somebody shout, bring all the tithe. So tithing brings two things into your life. Tithing will bring provision and protection. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9. Proverbs chapter 3, you all, everybody okay out there? All right, I'm a quarter way there. Let's go. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the, y'all need to talk back to me a little bit so I know you're awake out there. Read it with me. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of, wait a second, did it say all thine increase? It didn't just say you know, my, my steady 40. It said I got to do it with my overtime too. It says I got to do it with my, side, with, with my side gig too. You mean all? You mean everything that grows in the garden belongs to the Lord? With all thine increase. Verse 10. Why do I do this? So shall whose? If I honor the Lord with all of my increase, then my barns are going to be filled with what? With lack. You can't outgive God. It's going to be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. There's a God element involved. Because man can try all he wants and he can't make that grape grow one bit larger. He can't make that grape be any more filled, any more juicy, work any harder. God says, there's some things I'm going to do. I'm going to make the wine press. It's a, it's a word picture here. He said, I'm going to make whatever you do be blessed. You ever heard somebody say, everything they touch just turns to gold. I, they're probably a tither and they're probably a giver. It requires faith to give to God first. 
If we give God what is left over, that doesn't require faith. I'm going to see if I can get to the end of the week, and if I have anything left, then I'm going to give a little bit next week in the offering. That is the reverse principle that God teaches. Give God first, because there's no faith involved if you give what's left. God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants what is best and what is first. It's all through the scripture. I could teach for a series for weeks and months from the tabernacle on through God requiring the first. When we give God our first, the tithe, everybody say the tithe, and our best, everybody say the offering, he will bless the rest. There's four actions that God wants to take from every one of us. There's four actions that God deals with through our tithing and offerings. The first is, and I recognize I've got to hurry. I've been clowning around up here tonight. The first, the first thing I've got to deal with is God wants to deal with a selfish heart. That's what tithing and God is dealing with a selfish heart. We are born selfish. What's the, one of the first things that kids do when they're born? Mine. That's mine. Mine. You take it from me. We're born into it. We're born with it. We're born selfish. God wants to deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 9. Beware that there not be a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And that I be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, And it be sin against thee. Listen, the scripture here is dealing with a selfish heart. It is speaking of those who are allowing our outlook to determine the input. Let me break it down and explain it to you. The seventh year, the year year of Jubilee, the year year that all, everything's going to be given back. And so therefore you made a loan, no more than a seven-year loan. Because at the end of seven years, it's all good. It's all paid. No more collection. You're set free. You don't have to do anything with it. The Lord said, if you look and it's the sixth year and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't loaning that to them. They ain't got enough time to pay me back. The Lord said, but you're blessed and your brother is in need. And your brother comes to you and says, I am in need. But your heart says, "Mm, I I got it and I could give it to them, but they're not going to be able to give it back. I'm not going to bless them. It's dealing with a selfish heart. Because the law commanded that the next year, if there be a loan, it's going to have to be forgiven. Well, pastor, I'm looking down the road, and times may get hard. So, I, I, you know, and I, and I want to leave something for the family. Good, that's all good. I'm not preaching against that. Do that. Whatever you do, do that. As a matter of fact, this year, we're working on, I heard Brother Brandon cast some of his vision in our, in, our, in our pastoral meeting on Monday night, some of the things he's wanted to do, financial seminars and things to help us. Those are good. I hope you all are blessed abundantly and have bigger homes, and, but in the middle of all of it, don't get selfish because God wants to deliver us from a selfish heart. Number two, God wants to deliver us from a grieving heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. See, some people give and grieve about their giving. I'm giving, oh, I'm giving till it hurts. You're grieving over your giving. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. That's why the Lord said he wants a cheerful cheerful giver. Deuteronomy 15, 10. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall what? Shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that 
for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all of thy works. So let God do the blessing. He may not be able to repay financially, but God may add a year to your life. God may add, he may, no telling what he will do. He may give you another child, Brother Brandon, you don't ever know. I've been preaching that in Jesus' name, I'm telling you. Lord, y'all help me in here. I done stirred up somebody over here. Mama done getting upset now. If you grieve over what you're giving, it's because you really think it belongs to you. That's why we we grieve over what we're giving, because we think it belongs to us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means it's not mine. You won't grieve over what doesn't really belong to you. Sister Chelsea, would you do me a favor tonight? You You have a $20 bill. Would you bring that $20 bill over here? And and would you give that $20 bill to Gwen? Well, Sister Chelsea's excited about giving that $20 bill to Sister Gwen. Just give Gwen a big hand. Just give Sister Chelsea a big hand. Now, I asked Sister Chelsea to give a $20 bill to Gwen. And she came over here excited about it. But you know why she's excited? Because just before I came up here to preach, I gave her that $20 bill. So it wasn't her money anyway. Oh, my. But when the Lord gives to us, we start thinking it's ours. We start thinking it's ours. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. You can't give cheerfully if you think it's all yours. You're not going to take any of it with you, not one thing. So it's not ours. It really belongs to the Lord. So when the Lord has need of it, do what the Lord says. I had to borrow that $20 bill to give you, Gwen. I hope it blesses you. Brother Chad, I'll pay you back. It's the the sixth year. I'm going to pay you back next year maybe. third thing that the Lord's trying to do is develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 14. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress. Liberally, generally, generous. See that? Out of thy floor, out of thy flock. Give him whatever he needs. Give it to him. Selfishness is the enemy of generosity. Selfishness is the enemy of generosity. Givers say, I'm too blessed not to give. But a selfish heart says, I can't afford to give. But givers say, I can't afford not to. Both are true because of the curse. Has the curse been lifted or is the curse still there? Because they're both going to come out true in your life. Many of you know Sister Rice. Sister Diane Rice passed away many years ago. You may or may not have known Sister Rice was a giver. She gave to every project, every program, every offering. I never saw one thing ever happen that she didn't give. I remember when we did our first capital stewardship campaign and we handed out cards to give, and I remember her writing on there, 1.5% of my income. Now, she already was tithing, and that's how Sister Rice gave. 
She gave 10% of her tithing, and then she gave a portion to missions and a portion to the youth and a portion to whomever it was that needed it and whatever ministry we were working toward. And she gave and she gave and she gave, and she was a giver. Now, she was not wealthy. If those of you that don't know her, she was not wealthy. Her home was not uh, not 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 a, a fancy home by any means. She didn't drive fancy cars and wear fancy clothes. She, but she was a giver. She used to say this. We used to have testimony where people would stand and testify. Y'all remember those days? Those of you who's been around, remember what Sister Rice used to say? She used to say, I can create a budget and look at what I have coming in and what I have going out. And she said, I have nothing left and nothing to give. She said, but because I put God first. She said, I always have a little left over at the end. Because she put God first. God always took care of her needs. David said in Psalm 37, I once was young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. So the spirit of mammon, the love of money, promises, security, freedom, power, significance, but that's only God can give the things that the spirit of mammon offers us. See, money says, well, I'm going to give you security, but money can't give you security. A couple of days ago, the dial dropped. How many points? And everybody was running, and my text messages started blowing up. Oh, my goodness, Pastor, warn everybody. They may want to sell their stocks. Feds didn't raise interest rates. Whoop, right back up. Oh, Pastor, it's time to buy in. We get all caught up in security. Money offers no security. What we have is going to, in the end, when you're not going to take it with you, it's going to all burn with a fervent heat. It's going to, you're not going to take it with you. It is not going to, so, so in all reality, only what we do for God is what really matters. Come give them some hope, Sister Cheryl, I'm, I'm done. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, my last scripture, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve two masters. And then it goes on to say, ye cannot serve God and mammon. It was clearly talking about money right here. You're either going to serve God or you're going to be in love with money. But the two are not going to work together. But. Right on down just a little bit further. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things that we worry about, security and stress and health and what's going to happen with the economy and what's going to happen with COVID and what's going to do all, what, what, all the, what's going to happen. Stop worrying about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things God's going to add to you. Because God sees your faithfulness. Because God sees what man can't see. Man look on the outward appearance, but God knows the heart. I've been very clear throughout my pastorate to not be, not pastor by money. I don't touch money here. I don't look at money. I don't know what's going on with money. The only time that I ever even 
look at money is before I appoint somebody to high-level positions in the church, I always want to know, are they paying their tithing? Are they supporting the church? Are they giving? Are they faithful? I want to look at their attendance records just as much. I want to look at their life, what I know. Are they of good report within and without? I look at all of those things in the appointment. Other than that, I don't look at money. I don't want to get up here preaching to people and know who paid tithe last week and who didn't. I don't, that's, that's between them and God. So I'm not here tonight looking for your money. I'm not here tonight to receive an offering. I'm not here tonight to do any of the above, but I am here tonight to, to reach for your heart just for a moment and tell you that God is looking on the heart and he's wanting to know, can I trust you? Do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to give you, to give me everything? Do you even trust me with your finances? Do you, do you believe that if, do you believe that I will reward you according to my word? That's the principle that God is sharing and giving with us. Stand with me all over the room tonight. Would you just, right where you are, just lift a hand high toward heaven and just begin to seek the Lord just for a moment and ask the Lord, God, help me. Help me be what you want me to be. Help me live a life that is pleasing to you. Help me do what you have called me to do. I surrender Can you sing it as a prayer to the Lord? And don't sing it if it's not real, but if you mean it tonight, sing it with all your heart. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Make it your prayer song now. Say I surrender all. Come on, sing it out to the Lord with all of your heart. I 